This podcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College. Welcome to the Summit Show. This is your host, Caitlin Hashem. I'm so happy to be in the studio today and to be able to bring you such a special guest. It is Chaplain Ron Krantz. Am I saying that correct? You are. It's so great to have you. I am meeting you for the first time and you have your wife here. I'm not going to put her on the spot. She is a sweet woman of God. And you met Dr. Victor and Dr. Sherry from Summit Bible College fairly recently and they asked you to teach. That is correct. So when did you come in? How did that whole story go down? Did you just visit us or did someone call you or? No, mutual acquaintance. Pastor Mike Mullins with uh, the Episod Rock Church had graduated from Summit Bible College recently. He and I go back a long way. And um, he just mentioned me, Dina, to uh, Dr. Jeff Victor. And so uh, he called me. And uh, I think Dr. Anderson called me. So several people had reached out. And um, yeah, I guess I've been recruited. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty It's pretty clear that we need help because we're, putting, we're coming on hot with you right now as far as, you know, this chaplaincy program. It's actually right. been something that started years ago. Mm-hmm. And when it initially started, we had a chaplain here in town who brought in tons of people. It was um, Carrie Bulls. And uh, he, I have not heard from him in for so long. God bless that man. I, he moved to a different state and I haven't heard from him forever. Um, but he essentially helped us start the chaplaincy program probably about a decade ago. And when he did that, um, and he's he was very versatile. So he had like all sorts of chaplaincy experience across the board. Correctional, I think, was his main his main one, but he had done it all. Hospital, mm-hmm. hospice. He was a little bit of a rough guy as far as the way he spoke. Um, you could tell that prison chaplaincy was probably his main gig. Um, but he had a way with people. It's so interesting because, mm-hmm. like, you're hosp- are you hospice or hospital? No, I'm chaplain in a correctional facility. Oh, corrections. Yeah, and a military chaplain, army chaplain. Oh my goodness. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear. So we get, we get to know you here on the show, but. Back to Carrie really quick to kind of finish that point. He brought so many people mm-hmm. into the into the program because he had a ton of connections with, mm-hmm. like, chaplains who were trying – well, they weren't chaplains yet. They were trying to become chaplains. And so he's like, I need to get these people trained up. Mm-hmm. So it was like a win-win situation for him because he's like, I have all these people, but I need a formal training center yeah. for them. So he helped us, and it was a really great go-around for a little bit of time. And I, I what happened was those all of those people graduated – and then he moved. Mm-hmm. So it was like we, we, we haven't really picked it back up again because the thing about this program is it has to be led by a chaplain. So you told me the other day on the phone, you're like, hey, Caitlin, let's calm down a little bit. Let me just teach one class and then we'll see how it goes. So we're going to let you just do that. We are not going to um, make you do anything you don't want to do. But it is a blessing of God that you will be teaching the Developing Cultural Relationships course coming up in the January quarter. So this broadcast is pre-recorded. I believe this is going to be aired right before Christmas. And mm. so those listening, I just want you to know you're going to hear past, uh, Chaplain Ron speak mm. today. You're going to hear me speak about this chaplaincy program and about the the um, classes. Mm-hmm. Please uh, visit us at summitbiblecollege.com because... There's tons of information on our website. You can download a catalog, and the catalog has all the chaplaincy program information in it. And in fact, I'm going to pull that up on my cell phone so I have some of the classes. Um, have you had a chance to see the other classes that we offer? Yes, ma'am. So there's a pretty well-rounded program. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to actually talk about that in a, in a little bit. But before I do that, um, so tell us about your experience with chaplaincy. So you have done military chaplaincy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, wow. I am. A, I still am a current serving chaplain for the California Army National Guard, uh, wow. U.S. Army, and um, and I've done correctional chaplaincy. I've worked for the Federal Bureau of Prison. 
I've worked for uh, California Department of Corrections, which I work for now, and I've worked for uh, juvenile justice up in Butte County. I was a bivocational pastor there in Orville, Chico area for many years, and a part of that was working in the juvenile hall. We did family restoration, family reunification. We did behavioral intervention in the schools. So uh, I've been in that site. I also did uh, some hospital work. I did my CPE here at uh, the local Adventist Hospital, and so I did my internship there, and so we've worked at the hospital. I was, um, let's see, I've been with the field artillery units, um, infantry units. What else have I done? Brigade support battalions. My last tour was at uh, Guantanamo Bay, the Gitmo. So I've been to Gitmo. Um, I think of Top Gun when you said that. (laughs) 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 I'm just, I'm hearing uh, uh, Jack Nicholson in my mind right now when you said that. Right, I was there. You were there with Jack Nicholson. Well, just kidding. (laughs) Jack was not there. Jack wasn't there, but I did eat where uh, the the video the, in the movie where Jack and they had uh, lunch. Oh wow! It is a real place, wow. and yeah, so it's quite a it's quite a historic place. That's amazing. So you've been doing this for over twenty years. You mm-hmm. said how mm-hmm. in how did you get involved in this? So tell us a little bit about you when you got mm-hmm. saved. Mm-hmm. You have your beautiful wife here for mm-hmm. thirty years, thirty one mm-hmm. years. You've been married. Mm-hmm. Um. Did you get saved before marriage? Like Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I was I was born in the in the faith. My family was uh in church. I've never not been in church. Okay. Um so my parents were kind of lay leaders. My dad was a preacher, pseudo preacher for many years. And um so I've I remember mowing the church yard when I was a little boy. Then chaplaincy um I just you know, I had done pastored and I did choir tours and drama tours and all the things normal Pentecostal boys do, right, when you want to do uh, ministry. You did Sunday school and evangelize. And I just looked for some something other than a traditional, um, the typical ministry expression. I always looked for something more. Um, I saw a job posting and took a shot at it and uh, said, hey, maybe this is it. And something I've always tried to do is just be really open to where the the breadcrumbs lead and uh, try not to force things but try to be open to things that come from God. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes as gifts, sometimes not as gifts, but uh, that was the beginning. Uh so we did it for a long time. Um yeah, at least 20 years. And it's taken me a lot of interesting places. Um obviously Guantanamo is a really interesting place deployed. So we've had 22 years of military service. Out of that we have uh 5 years of separation with deployments and emergency state active duties type stuff. I've been to all the fires here in California over the years with our guard units. Um, did the floods. I did the riots. And so that's always been quite an honor to go with, you know, America's finest into the most dangerous settings. Care for them, be a pastor to them, help them and support them. That's an amazing work. <laughs> Some days it was. To be, I mean, just to be available, like they always say that chaplaincy is the ministry of presence, you know, just sure. being available. Sure. But the things that you run into, it's like you don't even know what to expect when you're coming into these situations. But the yeah. Holy Spirit is so faithful oh, sure. to you. Sure. Yeah, I, I think so. We, If you're paying attention, right, I think if you're you're letting the Holy Spirit kind of guide the agenda, and you try to be thoughtful about what Christ is doing or what the Holy Spirit is doing at that moment. And um, 
then then it works really really well if you're kind of a you know a rabid evangelical that just wants to be there and you know convert everybody it it might that doesn't land real well in some of these secular settings chaplaincy is a missional work first and foremost to a very secular world right and we think foreign missions where we go to other countries we think home missions where we go build and plant churches chaplaincy particularly government sponsored chaplaincy for like corrections of the military you really are a missionary to the institutional and social institutions of our country or our state uh, you know you can do corrections there's also a big role of it for uh, hospice and some of those typical things but you think about uh, re-entry centers where people are coming out of prison, getting back. Uh, you, you think about family reunification, which was really near and dear my heart, reaching into the really disenfranchised, really impoverished uh, communities and trying to bridge those folks, not just with the gospel, not just with the local church, but social services, education, advocacy, and things. So chaplaincy is really an amazing work uh, where you're bridging the mission of God with the people who will not be coming to your church. Wow. That's what I think. So do you work with, um, I mean, clearly you work with veterans. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. Do you see a a whole lot of PTSD? Yeah, PTSD is um, uh, within the the military setting, but I think uh, I would like to suggest that PTSD is is probably as common in children uh, of poverty and children of abuse as it is in soldiers. It's probably as common in uh, correctional settings for the COs and the police officers on the street. You know, post-traumatic stress is, is, is normal. We expect that. We anticipate that. And we really, there is post-traumatic uh, growth, right? There's post-traumatic stress. And if if you <clears throat> nurture it and care for it and, and make meaning of it, then, then it becomes post-traumatic growth. In the absence of a good debrief, in the absence of you know making meaning of things, in the absence of talking things out, cross talking with people of common experience, then it becomes uh, it leaves coded messages in your brain that gets triggered, and then you have these biochemical responses to it. And then you know you're just driving down the road, and all of a sudden you see something. When my first return, uh, my first uh, deployment, uh, man, it was really kind of crazy. I, I struggled to to disconnect myself from the experience that I'd had. And so yeah, just kind of full transparency, one night I woke up and I just thought, you know, I got to get to the bunker. I got to get to the blast bunker. And, you know, so I grabbed, I don't even know what I grabbed, but some kind of, you know, big pencil or something. I started running out of the house and Dean had to kind of try to get me and, you know, help me to, to cycle back. So you see it in the military and we talk about it a lot in the military. But children who were, you know, born in poverty and exposed to extreme abuse or neglect you know on their little bitty brains it's there too so as a society we just have to probably be more thoughtful about trauma-informed care and really thoughtful about helping people circle around to those experiences make meaning of them to pivot off of them wow so Mm -hmm. you are going to be teaching this class and i know that your heart is to equip other Mm -hmm. leaders to help them. So sure, if someone sure. were listening today and they didn't know exactly what God was calling them to do, but they had an interest in chaplaincy, mm-hmm. because I will say this, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of interest in chaplaincy. There is. Do people go for it? Um, not, you know, not a whole lot that I've seen, at least in the context of Summit's chaplaincy mm-hmm. program. And I, I think that personally has to do with leadership. I think that if we get the right leader, mm-hmm. that that people will follow. But I do hear people saying, what is chaplaincy? Like, I've heard of that. Yeah. And, and they have an interest in it. What would you say to somebody today who's maybe listening to this uh, uh, and they have an interest in chaplaincy? Chaplaincy is um, great. It's great. It's an incredible field uh, with with just tremendous opportunity for people that are willing to uh, learn the art and science of it, to really hone their pastoral craft, develop an expertise, say an apologetic expertise, a missional expertise, a cross-cultural expertise. You really, you really have to be uh, top of your game. Right, because you're going to be thrown into uh, a lot of varieties, a lot of circumstances, and and well, you you'll turn them into wins, or you may leave a wake, a regrettable wake behind you. And so, it's a great, great job. There's a lot of challenge. There's a lot of opportunity. And if you want to do something really cool, you want to be a chaplain. Right, that's just what it is. And I think probably for in America, for sure. We've 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 got churches everywhere. We've got thousands of churches, right? And if you look at the data, most of them are on the decline. They're just not really effective anymore, uh, for whatever reason. And their data that is out there. I really encourage people to go out there and look at you know Pew and and some of the different research out there on 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 what America is, how America is pivoting to Christianity. Chaplaincy is an incredible opportunity to bridge. And to rekindle and revive the church's role in the world, right? They probably, you know, you have Sunday school where you put kids on school uh, school buses and bus them in, and you know you have uh, youth events where they come hang out and feed them. That's that that's great. That's activity just like any other activity. So you want chaplaincy is this opportunity to get involved with you know social services, veteran services. Grant funding development, institution building, you know, uh, referral triage and referral to services, uh, clinical pastoral care. So this is chaplaincy. It's an it's a complex, nuanced, sophisticated form of mission work to the lost and dying world. And you get them there, and you make real good contacts, and you do well engagement. Then maybe they come to your church. Right then, maybe you can help move them into a loving body, a community of believers, people that'll help nurture and care, people that can identify with. So it's great. Chaplaincy is great. If you want to be cool, be a chaplain. <laughs> so fun. I love the way you say that. So in your field of chaplaincy, you probably have the opportunity to build rapport. Oh, you have to because, build rapport. Well, I say that because. Um, I assume that you see the same people every day for a while. I, I think that some chaplains, they go on site to these situations. Mm-hmm. Like think of devastations or tragedies mm-hmm. or even hospice care chaplains. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the ability to maybe like build that like longevity of relationship because maybe mm-hmm. they just drop in and they're there. Right. But in your case, and I know in many other chaplaincy fields, right. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to build rapport and relationship. Yeah. Really. And uh, you, you're going to have to be good at both. So talk about that. Yeah, you have to be good at both. Um, so, for instance, if you're um, 
you know, if you're Iraq, Afghanistan, and you're you're uh, at an aid station, you know, you're seeing soldiers as they come out of the the, the fight, out of the gunfight, and they might be there in a transitory state. They're going to be triaged. They're going to be cared for. They're going to do basically, and then to put them on a helicopter and you go. So you might see them for 10, 15 minutes, right? You might see them in the worst care of your life. The the hope is, the goal is that you are channeling Christ. Right, you're channeling the work. Of, you uh, you understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. You know, nothing is lost. No tragedy is lost. No pain is lost. No suffering is lost. Right? These are these are functional things in God's economy too. Right? And so when you're there, you've really got to think, Christ. You know, I, I need to, I want to be uh, as capable of a channel at this moment in time for this person as I possibly can, because I don't ever want them to forget this. Right, and I'm going to sow something into their lives that that you may water or somebody else may water a year from now, two years, and now five years from now. So this really matters. And then you know, in terms of institution building, relationship building, you know, that's when chaplains can influence policy. That's when chaplains can influence uh, the the trajectory of an organization. That's when chaplains can say, "Hey, we need to find a way to develop some money here, and we need to you know create some institution that really ministers to people." For two, five, ten, fifteen. So you you want to be able to do both, and you need to be able to do it across a broad spectrum of things. You know, uh, diploma. You got to be diplomatic. You got to be a real good manager of information, information campaigns, education, bridge building. Uh, this is why I think uh, my attraction to to uh, chaplaincy was I had done all the the pastoral stuff, right? I'd got to the top of the food chain in my denomination by about thirty. Right. I did all the things you're supposed to do as a pastor. And I just thought, man, I, I really, I still, I, there's more to ministry than just twice a week. There's more to ministry than preaching three times a week. There's more to ministry than playing the piano or being in a choir. There's, because you can do that stuff in a church of 100 people for 25 years, 30 years, 40 years. If you look at the data, you know, there's pastors that have been in the same church for 25, 30, 40 years. And they've really never gone beyond that. That wasn't for me. That's not my grace. That wasn't my gift. I wanted to do more. So if you want to do all the cool pastor stuff, counsel, teach, preach, serve, you know, communion, you can do that. If you want to be a missionary to the world around you, you can do that. Wow. So when you were first interested in chaplaincy, mm-hmm. did you tell us about when the Lord inspired you, um, when you felt the anointing on you for that? And tell us about, give us like a fun story or a, an intense story, whatever kind of story you want. We have 10 minutes left on this broadcast. So we're going to do another broadcast, but okay. I want to hear an intense story where you were like, oh my goodness, the <laughs> Lord God on high is with me in this, sure. like something cool. Think of a cool sure. story because I feel like stories just bring yeah. everything to life for us. Yeah. So I've had some interesting things. <laughs> I have to, so one time uh, I had a group, uh, Wiccan, Santa Maria, not Santa Maria, but Santa Muerta. And so this is, um, this is a, a group out of Latin America, Central America. And they they do voodoo and you know so one of the the officers at the prison called me and said hey Chapman can you come look at this guy's got a, an idol a shrine something in his cell come look at this I'm gonna throw it away so I walked over there it was a voodoo doll and it was me 
<laughs> it was me, a voodoo doll. So they had made, they had taken stuff out of the chapel and stuff out of the chapel. And so they had, you know, they were going to do voodoo on me. Oh, and, and so, my goodness. <laughs> it didn't work. <gasps> Praise was, the Lord. Yeah, you got the anointing on you. Break, did, the anointing work. breaks the yoke. <laughs> so I just asked, I said, man, what are you voodooing me for, man? You're the only, I'm the only guy here that will help you is, you know, <laughs> so what are you doing voodoo on me? So that was, that was an interesting thing. And the irony was, I wasn't angry about it. It didn't. It didn't scare me. Uh, but me and that community were able to sit down and have a really interesting conversation about Jesus and why I believe in Jesus and why I believe the Bible's right and why I believe superstition and voodoo where it came from. So, so you know what what someone meant for evil, right, turned into a really interesting missional evangelical experience. So that was fun. Oh my that, goodness! That was cool. Do you have to be really direct with these with the people? Like, I mean. Uh, you know, it, that's a diplomatic soft skill type thing. You really got to read the room, read the, the thing, right? You you really want to have a good emotional intelligence and real sense, uh, an apologetic sense too, right? You can't just beat people up with the Bible. And just telling people God will save, God's going to do great things, that, that, that language means something to us. doesn't mean anything to, you know, somebody in trauma, somebody who's, you know, from Latin America. So you you just have to have some, some good missional apologetic sense there. That was a great oh, story. Oh, that is an interesting story. Have you seen the movie Father Stew? Not yet. It has a lot of cussing in it, so I will just <laughs> warn you. I will warn you, but it's a true story. It's right. it, and it's a, he's a real person, sure. and that's sure. literally how he talked. Right. So to me, you know, it's like when you're watching a movie that has language, I kind of filter it through that. Like, right. like what's the purpose of this language? But it's really interesting because he was, um, you know, he became a priest, but he went into prison chaplaincy, and man. I was blown away by the way this guy talked sure. to the prisoners sure. because he, it showed uh, the scene where there was a chaplain in there and he was real proper and real formal and he sure. was speaking Christianese to these guys and right. they were punking him and they were cornering him and they were treating right. him. They weren't right. taking a word he was saying seriously. And then Father Stu, you know, basically put them all in their place and it's intense. Sure. I mean, he cussed. I was thinking to myself, how is that even... Which obviously I don't agree with because he's he's preaching the word of God. You shouldn't be cussing at sure. all, you know. So I was kind of like blown away by that. But at the same time, it was weird because th- somehow he got these guys' attention, and I just have always been amazed by that in the uh, art or the call, I should say, of chaplaincy is that you really have to be all things to all people, and it's it's mm-hmm. a weird uh, calling because it's kind of like you're a chameleon. Yeah. Like when you're preaching at a church, you get to be who who you are. I mean, the same every single Sunday, right. you know, if that's what you want to do. Um, we have to adapt, obviously, to who's coming right. into our churches because we have to be able to communicate with them. Right. Um, but like when you're going into the hood or you're going into all these other places, right. it's like you have to communicate with them in a way that they're going to understand what you're saying. Yeah. Language is important. Coding things correctly is important. I think probably probably the most important part, though, is that people sense a real authenticity, authenticity to why you're there. Like, you know, hey, you, you know, I'm here. I could do something else. I'm here because you're here. And when that communicates, when that, that feeling really lands, kind of a Christian empathy, a real Christ-centered empathy, people are open. And if you code the language wrong or you say something a little, they are okay as long as they really sense that you're there for them and that you want to be there. Uh, a great friend of mine in the the Army Chaplain Corps, he was a Jesuit priest, and he was he could use profanity pretty Pretty. He was pretty proficient with profanity too, uh, and he used it uh, for the shock value. He didn't. He had thirteen degrees, thirteen doctoral degrees. He taught neuroscience at Stanford before he came into the, the chaplain corps in the army. Genius of a man, but he used it really strategically, thoughtfully about it. 
you know, but that some of that is, you know, what ecclesiastical background you come from. Because, you know, if you're really, really conservative evangelical, right, there's a real hypersensitivity to some things. Your conscience, your Christian conscience is different. Where another chaplain, they may not have the same level of Christian conscience. So some of it is pluralism and the ability to work really effectively with a variety of chaplains, Muslim chaplains, uh, Jewish chaplains. I've run across a couple of Buddhist chaplains in my time, uh, people who were paid by the, by the government to protect the First Amendment, because that's really what government-sponsored chaplaincy is about in the Army or in the corrections. You're there to protect people's right to worship God as they choose or not worship God at all. That's the only way the government can pay chaplains. They can't pay me to be a pastor, but they can pay me to be a religious leader or subject matter expert on people's right to worship God or not worship God. Wow. And then once you do that job, then you can do all the other jobs. And so that's one more layer that makes chaplaincy really, really great is, you know, you have a legal uh, responsibility to the Constitution you have a legal responsibility to uh, to the integrity of your faith, the integrity of your ecclesiastical conscience. So it's it's a great, great, it's very nuanced, very sophisticated. Listen, you want to be cool, be a chaplain. I love that. It is amazing. So we have like four minutes left on this broadcast. We're going to do another one. But for your class, Developing Cultural Relationships, I do have the description pulled mm-hmm. up here um, that I could pull up. But what do you expect, or what should I say this way? What can the people expect from that from that class coming up? Well, I've looked at the book. Book is great. Uh, I really encourage people to get in the book, think about the book, think through the book. Um, it's um, going to be important that you read the book for your tests and your quizzes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a platform for some experiential things, right? Really about putting people in some kind of context, some kind of contextual place. You know, how do you missionally deal with somebody who is, say, a wounded theist? They were disappointed by the church. The church has frustrated them. The church has hurt them. They've had church hurt, the classic church hurt. So how do you communicate with them? How do you bond with them? How do you create relationship with them? Uh, the the second uh, most common language in Kern County, Bakersfield area is Hindi. No longer Spanish. It's with our Sikh community. So the second largest or the second most common language here in Kern County is, is Hindi. Wow, I didn't know that. People don't realize that. You, but if you drive down the street, you have all the Sikh temples. And, and, and so those folks do not have a Christian conscience at all, right? The the whole picture of Christ, the whole idea of Christ, the whole idea of God coming to, to the world, dying on a Christ, they may have never heard that story. And so it's important that we are able to connect with folks, have a real authentic spirit with those folks, cause those folks to lean into us. And want to hear what we have to say, communicate and connect with them in ways that don't turn them away. My wife has the best illustration of this. We can't be harsh light. We're supposed to be the light of the world. We can't be a harsh light. We have to be a soft light. You flash your lights at people coming down the road because the lights are really bright. Sometimes Christianity is such a bright and glaring light causes people to turn away. People cannot seriously consider Christianity if it's offended them. And so we're going to talk about that. How do we cross? Commu- how do we communicate cross culturally? 
Goodness, that's going to be a good class. We have 30 seconds left, so I'm going to read the description really quick. This course teaches a chaplain on how to speak and the proper ways to build relationships with people of various ethnic and religious views. Also reviewed our traditions, principal beliefs, information about birth, diet regulations, sickness, dying, death, and appropriate prayers that could be said with patients. That looks like a great class. And it's something that also is not limited to just chaplaincy students. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in that class just as a minister, mm-hmm. you should be taking that class. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chaplain Ron Krantz, we are so excited to have you teach this. And if you're listening to this today and you are interested in Summit Bible College, visit us on the web at summitbiblecollege.com. You can click on the download a catalog and download it for free and it'll get sent to you. And somebody is available to talk with you. We have a chat box. You can email us at info at summitbiblecollege.com. In fact, if you heard this broadcast and it encouraged you, please reach out to us and let us know. It's hard to know who's hearing this because you're just going out in the airwaves and I don't know who's listening so I love the feedback it's always so encouraging we hope that you enjoyed and we're going to come back next week to talk a little bit more about some chaplaincy stuff it was very nice having you on this broadcast and I look forward to another with you God bless you guys this podcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College